Welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Can you bless God? God, we honor you. God, we magnify you. We declare there is none like you in all the earth. Woo! Well, hey, Destiny Church, anybody excited to be in God's house today? Man, if this is your first time, my name is Stephen, the senior pastor, and man, we're honored, we're excited that you've joined us today. Today is going to be good. Now, normally, when I'm on screen, I'm introducing a guest speaker, and that is not the case today. I'm actually preaching today via stream. It is going to be amazing, and, and it's going to be cool for a couple of reasons. One, because you're going to be able to get the Baltimore County experience, like this is what the Baltimore County campus is going to look like. By the way, if you miss Catalyst on Friday, I mean, if the presence of God in that place, what God did, the lives, I mean, I'm pumped. I'm excited. It's also a little rough, so I'm excited. It was just family as we're working that thing out, but I'm telling you, God has great things in store. So you get the Baltimore County experience, and I know sometimes people, you know, they're so stuck in their ways. They're like, I ain't coming to church to watch no preaching on the video. I could have done this, you know, at home or whatever it may be, and, and I'm trying to hammer this over and over and over and over again. We don't go to church for a person. We go to church for the presence of God. The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he will be also. And I'm telling you, if you respond in this moment in faith, God will speak to you in a way that you never thought possible. Amen? Amen. Good deal. Grab your Bible. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, I can't even speak. Chapter 2. And if you could stand on your feet if you're sitting, y'all know the drill. We like to stand for the initial reading of God's word to remind ourselves that God's word is... God's word is powerful. Come on now. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for, somebody say that word with me. Honor. Oh, come on now. You missed it. Say it a little louder. A vessel of honor. honor sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee, run away from youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. It says don't, don't have foolish and ignorant conversations. Like, for example, can I give you an ignorant conversation? Who's better, Jordan or LeBron? LeBron, duh, like that's ignorant. <laughs> Blasphemy. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility. I thought I was going to say patient in Target and Walmart, but patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. 
God, to be in your presence right now. And we know that because you're here, God, that miracles are here. God, that you're saving, that you're delivering, and God, you're removing opposition so that we can step into the destiny that you have for us. God, speak to us, we pray, and God, we pray over the ravens as they're resting this week on their bye week. Give them grace in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before you sit down, high five two people, ask somebody, what's in your house? What's in your house? Come on, ask somebody, ask somebody, ask somebody, what's in your house? Um, no, seriously, what's in your house? Like right now, like just think through what's in your house. As I was preparing this message, I was thinking about this message, I was kind of thinking about what's in my house, and I don't know where you live, I don't know what your situation is, but I can almost guarantee for like 99% of the people in this room right now, you only use about 20 to 15% of the items that are in your house right now. Come on, am I right? You, you, you got stuff in your house that, hey, you don't even know you have it in your house because it's been stuffed in the closet or stuffed in the garage or stuffed in the basement so long. But you just have things in your house that you don't use. Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you a hoarder? Come on, ask somebody, are you a hoarder? Because here's the thing. It's broke. You haven't touched it in five years. And you still won't throw it out. <laughs> Like, come on, and I'm not talking about you, I'm the same way, me and my wife, I mean, I was just kind of thinking through this. We have suitcases in our closet that are broken. I'm talking about, we got three out the four wheels. Come on, y'all looking at me like you understand what I'm talking about. Like, the suit, you know how you zip the suitcase up and you can still see the clothes because it's ripped? <laughs> and then we're not taking that suitcase anywhere. And I'm like, why have we not trashed this thing already? And for, I'm going to go home after this mess. I'm going to trash that suitcase. But for some reason, we're keeping it. We're holding on to it. It must be because I actually stole it from my dad's house when I moved out. And I feel bad about trashing something that belongs to somebody else. But we all have things that we don't use. For example, you cooks, if no, not everybody cooks, some of y'all door dash your life away. But for those of you that still kind of bring out a pan and a pot and you cook, you know this, you have like seven or eight pots and you only use four. Come on, everything you cook fits in two or three pots and you have like six pots just sitting there catching the, anybody have those like awkwardly shaped pots that don't fit anything? It's too shallow to fit what you need to bake or whatever it may be. You're just like, it's just so sitting there. And let's not talk about clothes. Come on now. (laughs) You got clothes in your closet. You got to understand, I had an experience. I have clothes in my closet that I outgrew, y'all. You understand? I'm getting thick. I'm telling y'all, like, (laughs) pray for me. (laughs) I have never outgrown anything in my life. Don't laugh too hard. I got pants that are too tight. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to frame them. I'm going to hold them, getting that dad bod going on. I mean, y'all like, shut up. <laughs> One more thing, and then I'll actually preach. I got a pair of white Stacy Adam loafers. Y'all don't know nothing about no Stacy Adams. Freshman year in college, I'm telling you, man, any event, got my big old baggy jeans, fit three people in it, got my college shirt. You put them Stacy Adam, boy. I would say I had them girls going crazy, but that's not really godly, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but the reality is we all have stuff in our house that belongs to us, but we're not using it. And I'd like to submit to you that God is the same way, that God has things. Can I say it this way? God has people in his house, but he's not using them. 
And it's not that he's not using them because he's forgotten about them. As a matter of fact, he's intentionally not using them. He's putting them on a shelf. And here's what he said in verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an on, a vessel of honor, sanctified, and here's the big word, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I, I, I feel like every message that I preach uh, is direct, and I don't know if, if this one could get any more direct, but we're preaching a series called What's In It For Me, and here's today's message, What's In Holiness For Me? What's in Christ-likeness for me? What's in it for me to live as sinless a life as I possibly can? Well, I'll march through and I'll get through it, but let me, just, let me just put it this way. When we live a sinless life to the best of our ability, we put ourselves in the running for God to use us in a great way. And when we decide to live a cavalier, I'll go with my emotions, whatever feels best life, we put ourselves in a position where God shelves us. Now, before you get too discouraged, look at your neighbor said, at least I'm in the house. At least I'm in the house. I mean, I mean, it could be worse. I could be outside. And the Bible says outside is not good because outside is where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and there's eternal damnation. So at least I am in the house. Somebody say step one. But there's more than just being in the house. I'm not just trying to, you're going to just find a kind of a theme in almost every message that I preach of making it to heaven is not the only goal. Like the only goal is not to when I die, I want to see Jesus. I want to maximize all that he has for me. I want to see all that the cross purchased in my life. And being like Christ is a major component of that. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 says this. So as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So here's what the Bible says. When, 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 when you were at that strip club before you were a follower of Christ... Crickets. <laughs> when you were lying to save your own behind at work, or refused to forgive, or were bitter, or, or, or an alcoholic, or doing drugs, or whatever it may be, it says you did it out of ignorance. You didn't know that there was a better way. You didn't know that God had more for you. You didn't know that it broke the heart of your creator to see you walk in that way. But here's what Peter is saying. Now you know. And now that you know, don't go back to living the way that you used to live before you knew of the goodness of God. It says, don't do the way you used to do when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, now holy is one of those, 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 those church words that you hear but oftentimes, we don't even know what it means. The, the word holy, we think holy means perfect. We think holy means like without blemish. We think holy means never making a mistake. So for us, we never see ourselves as holy. Because every day that I'm breathing is a day that I'm making a mistake. <laughs> Here's what holiness means. Holiest, holiness means set apart. Saved for something special. I'm trying to teach uh, my children holiness. I have a three-year-old daughter, 18-year-old month, and when I finish this illustration, you're going to know it's blasphemy. But anyway, I'm trying to teach my children holiness. So in order to teach them holiness, I bought them Jordans. 
We're, we're off to a wrong track already. I am telling man, my son, he irritated me so much because his feet grew so slow, and then he could only fit the little booty shoes and not the real shoes, and I'm just waiting for him to be big enough. Now he can fit real shoes, y'all. So, I mean, as soon as he got into that kid's sizes, I got him a pair of Jordans. I got my daughter a matching pair of Jordans. Daddy got the same pair of Jordans. Because, I mean, this is why you have kids, right? So that you can match with them. So we all got Jordans, and, and they looked at them. They put them on for like two seconds. They went off and playing with their toys. They didn't care. I was like, get back here. You're going to take this picture. We're going to post it on Instagram because this is why I had kids. Line up and take the picture. So they were all excited. We all, they weren't excited at all, actually. I was excited because we all had Jordans. About two weeks later, I come home from work, and, and they're outside playing, and, and I see they have their Jordans on. Every sneakerhead in the room said the same thing. Oh. Problem is, my wife is not a sneakerhead, so she doesn't understand holiness. <laughs> I get out of the car, I was like, what are you doing? I, I, look, I grew up in a house with five kids. So for us, we didn't get sneakers every time sneakers were released. We got sneakers... Once a year. Anybody grew up like that where they'd buy them a size too big and you stuff the tissue paper? You're, <laughs> you're walking around like, they're like, oh, you're going to grow into them. You're going to grow into them. But everybody knows back when you only got one pair of sneakers a year, you had your play shoes and then you had your going out shoes. Your going out shoes, your play shoes may have a hole in the bottom. When it rains, the water gets in or what? doesn't matter. You're playing outside. It's no big deal. You only look pretty. You're just having fun. But don't you dare put your going out shoes when you're trying to play. I remember we would be going out somewhere and we'd go outside before everybody was ready to go. My mom's like, don't go in the mud. <laughs> don't go ride your bike. Hey, because you have to keep them for their, that's what holiness is. Holiness is I can't drag my life through the mud. Because it's for going out. Like, my life is for God doing great things through me, and I can't just put my life in any situation. I can't just put my life in any environment. I can't just put my life in any conversation. Because when I drag my life through the mud, I disqualify it from being used in an honorable way. So here's, here's the goal of this message is that you'd never go to another strip club. <laughs> Somebody says, check, got that one, what's next? <laughs> the goal of this message is not that you'd never sin again, because we all have sin in our lives. But the goal is that you would begin to live a life that's pursuing holiness. Yeah. That you're actually intentional about what you watch on television and movies, and the music that you pump into your ears and the conversations that you have, and you actually think through the words of your mouth, are they true? Yeah. Come on, you liars. <laughs> I'm not a liar. Do you know not telling the whole truth is still lying? Yeah. Well, I didn't say a lie. You also didn't say the truth. Huh? My goal is to get you to pursue Christ-like living. Cool, pastor. What's in it for me? I'm glad you asked. First thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. The first thing that will happen in your life when you live a set-apart Christ-like life is you'll see clearly. You'll see clearly. I know there's a lot of people that, that they, they have these things called personality glasses. You ever heard of personality glasses? It's people that don't need glasses, but they think that they look kind of like more fashionable. <laughs> look around, I probably there's like 15 people in the room right now. You put their glasses on, there ain't nothing in it at all. These are not personality glasses. 
These are, he is blind as a bat without these glasses. I got the verses on the screen in front of me. I take these glasses off. I can't see if that's Ephesians or Matthews. I can't see your face right now. You're just one blurry blob. Like, I am blind as a bat. The only thing is I've only worn glasses for three years. Now, I've needed glasses for like 10 years. But I put it off over and over and over again. And here's why. Because without glasses, no, I can't. Here's the thing. I think because I got glasses, my sight is deteriorating. Because I used to be able to see a lot better than I could without it. But without glasses, I could read what was right in front of me. I could, I could see things and all that other good stuff. I just couldn't see in the distance. So if I'm in the kitchen and the basketball game is on, I couldn't see the score on the bottom. But for the love of God, why did they make the score so small? Like... <laughs> or, or me and my wife, we, we'd go on date nights, and, and we're always like in D.C. or, you know, somewhere else, and we have like a 45-minute drive home, and, and we're driving home, and I'm like this. And my wife is in the passenger seat, like holding up her dear, can you see? And I'm like, I got this. Is that Aberdeen? Is that Glen Burnie? Like, what exit is that? And finally, my wife's like, I can't deal it. I'm going to make the appointment for you. You are going to get your eyes fixed. So I go in and, you know, <laughs> you know how you have to try to, like, read the alphabet from far off? Y'all, I'm guessing, like, I'm like, A, Z, uh, pi, squared. Like, I can't see anything. And they're like, look, you blind as a bat. You need glasses. <laughs> it's amazing when I finally got glasses. And I'm not exaggerating. How, like, the world changed. I did not realize how much I was not seen. Until my sight was restored. And here's the thing. I was driving. Probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> I was living. I was writing messages. I was going about. I was living, so I thought. But I was missing so much because my vision was blurred. Here's what we don't understand. When we live outside of God's will for our life, our vision is blurred. Well, I don't want to forgive that person. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what unforgiveness is doing to your vision. Like, you can't see what God has for you when we harbor things in our life that are set apart from God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, I got my glasses on so I can see this. It says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order. Why? So that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches, somebody say riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that, say, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exhorted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. And here's the first thing he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart. Now, Paul was a great apostle, a great preacher. He just failed anatomy class. <laughs> because, Paul, your eyes are in your head. Your eyes are not in your heart. And Paul, if he was here, he would say, I said what I said. <laughs> he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Here's why. Because you don't see through your eyes. You see through your heart. Yeah. Can, can I say it a different way? You don't see through your eyes. You see through your issues. You don't see life the way that life is. You see life the way that you are. You, you ever been in a situation where somebody said something to you that offended you? And you went and talked to another friend like, can you believe they said this to me? And your other friend was like, well, actually, that's not that bad. That's actually true. And you're like, well, I mean, are you siding with them? And can I tell you what happened? The friend didn't hear it through your issues. 
they just heard it purely because it wasn't about them. And they're like, no, they right, you ignorant. They exactly. We, we, we see through our issues. And Paul is saying, your issues, the decisions, the, the ungodly choices that you're deciding to make, they're actually blinding you from seeing life the way that it really is. And then he goes on to say, I pray that your eyes would get more light. There's this term being nearsighted, and it makes no sense because nearsighted people, they can see near, they just can't see far. But here's the whole deal. A lot of times when people are nearsighted, it means that their eye has become elongated and that the light from wherever it is is not able to reach the back of their eye, and thus it limits what they're able to see. Here's what happens. A lack of vision is a lack of light. Come on, tracking with me. Paul said, I'm praying that you would get more light in your heart because the more light you have, the more you can see. Somebody say, I need more light. But you can't keep putting yourself in dark places, in dark environments. I'm going to get in trouble. You ever walked into some places and it was just dark? Like people are doing ungodly things. People are depressed. People are discouraged. People are turning up or whatever, maybe. But it's dark. And you can't walk into a dark environment and it not snuff the light out in your own heart. Can I talk? You can't watch a dark movie or listen to dark music. Boy, I was was a pastor's kid. I was homeschooled. I was sheltered upon sheltered upon sheltered. So, like, gangster rap was, like, my thing because it's just, like, I mean, yes, I'm getting out of this box. You can lock me in this house, but you can't take my headphones. And I'm, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to blow you up. I'm going to cut you into pieces. I'm going (laughs) to. Somebody say dark. And you're pumping your heart with darkness. And you're expecting to be able to see. And you wonder why you have no hope. Paul said, I'm praying that your eyes would be open so that you can see that the hope is always there. Listen to me. You ever gone through a storm, going through a situation, maybe it was a health crisis or a relationship loss or a financial issue, and made it out on the other side? And then encountered somebody who was going through the same situation you were going through? Have you ever tried to encourage somebody that didn't want to be encouraged? You know, I've been there, and God, I don't want to hear about your God. I'm telling you, and I don't want to hear about that. Oh, yeah, whatever. Here's why. Because they can't see, and thus they have no hope. You have hope because you can see, and here's what Paul is saying. You're blinded to the hope that's all around you. Like, everybody's been in this situation, even if it's your middle school kid that's coming to you or whatever. But somebody who's going through something that you've been through already will come and talk to you, and it's the worst day of their life. He left me. <laughs> she left me. <laughs> I don't got no money or whatever it may be. And you're like, oh, listen, all you got to do is this, this, this. You ain't even stressed. You ain't even worried. You're just like, okay, you just take this step and then do this because you, you have hope. Yeah. What Paul is saying is when there's darkness in your heart, you won't see hope. Here's the other thing. He said you won't see how rich you are. He said you will be blind to the glorious riches of the inheritance of a child of God. There are so many Christians that are walking around broke. Not just financially broke, but emotionally broke. Broke, lacking vision, 
lacking joy, lacking purpose, lacking direction. And Paul's saying, you're mi- there's so much you're missing. He said, you're missing the power. Like, do you understand the same power that raised Jesus from the grave you have access to? That when you drop to your knees and pray, angels stand at attention and wait to respond to everything that is going on in your life. And Paul said, I pray that you could see all this. Now, here's, 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 here's the thing about sin. It's fun. Like, I don't think pastors say this enough. Like, ratchet living is fun. I don't know what you're talking about as pastors. Sin isn't fun. Being drunk ain't fun. Partying ain't fun. You didn't do it right. <laughs> if you do it right, it's... Come on, don't look at me like some t- <laughs> Some of y'all are like, oh, no, I do it right, man. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> hey, it's fun. It's just not worth it. And that's what we're missing. Oh, I'm enjoying, yeah, you're enjoying it, but you're giving up your vision. Like, let's talk, oh, I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. I'm not going to name a sin. You pick a sin. Pick your favorite sin. I don't have a favorite sin, liar. Uh, (laughs) Like... And they do these different things. They do it around money, you know, like 5 million, 10 million, 20 million. You ever heard those questions? Like, would you go one round boxing Mike Tyson for $5 million? You ever heard that? I would, by the way. (laughs) I mean, I could pay off a concussion. I'd make it. I'd survive. What would you give up for your eyesight? What would I have to pay you for you to be blind physically for the rest of your life? Pastor, I'm actually physically blind right now. Okay. What would you pay to get your sight back? Because when you put it that way, oh, that one night stand's not worth it. Oh, that fun time, that's not worth it. This isn't worth it. It's not worth it. But because we understand it in the natural, we don't realize what we're giving up. In the spiritual, Hebrews 12, 14 says this, pursue peace with all people and holiness without no one will see the Lord. Here's what you'll see clearly. When I live a set-apart life, I get to see God clearly. Some people, they've heard of God, but they don't see God. They don't have a relationship with God. Some people think that God is this far-off being that, 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 that is this real stern and upset father that's just waiting for you. Yeah, God's with me. He's with me with the big stick waiting to hit me every time. No, that's not the God I serve, y'all. The God I serve is my best friend. The God I serve has a sense of humor. The God I serve has joy. The God I serve is a Lakers fan. <laughs> How did we? Amen. Hey, boy. Like, no, 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 no. The God that I serve is one that desires to be in conversation with me constantly. But when I have sin in my life, it blinds me to the goodness of God. Sin blinds me to my destiny. Like, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, Cat, I was like, Pastor, can you pray for me? I said, what can I pray for? He said, can you pray that I can see kind of the purpose that God has for me? I don't know my next step. I said, I can pray for you, but here's the problem. Your heart is blind. And I don't know if it's heartache, I don't know if it's pain, I don't know if it's unforgiveness, I don't know if it's sin. I know it's ungodliness, though. Because one of the things that happens is we lose vision for the next thing in our life. 
when our hearts are overcome. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to lay your lives down as a living sacrifice, holy, which is your reasonable act of worship. And watch it says in verse 2, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I had a thought, and it's ratchet, so I have to say it. As a man, being intimate with one woman for the rest of your life doesn't sound fun when you're blinded to God's way. Come on now, can we have a serious conversation? You ever seen that old school movie, The King and I? I go from flower to flower to flower. It doesn't sound fun. But when I decide to live a set-apart life and God restores my vision... I realized that building something special with one person for decades and decades and decades will bring more fulfillment than going from person to person to person, from heartache to heartache to heartache, giving a piece of myself away over and over and over again, and building the level of blindness in my life. It only makes sense when my sight is restored. That's why the Bible says that God's way is foolishness to those that have not seen the goodness of God. The second thing that happens in your life is this. You'll live fully. You'll, you'll actually live for real. There's people that think that they're living and they're not really living. This term YOLO, which I know it's not cool anymore, but it was about 18 months ago, and I'm about 18 months late, so catch up with me. This YOLO idea, you only live once, it was, you know, buy that property, take that risk or whatever. But what it really was was like live your best life, like live ratchet, like just go for it. You only live once. And it was almost like this idea of you don't have to be held accountable for your actions because you just got one life to live, like live it. You, you, you hear the deal. You know how they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? No, no, no. What happens in Vegas you carry for the rest of your life. It doesn't stay there. It follows with you. And, and, and so often, the enemy will tempt us into gratifying our flesh under the guise of, you deserve this. You're exhausted, you're tired, you've worked hard, you've been through a lot. Or come on now, you need to experience life. You don't understand that every time we experience life outside of God, it actually takes from us and brings death. You actually can only experience life, for real, in Christ. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. (laughs) So sex... Outside of God's plan, steals, kills, and destroys. Sex, did he say that in church? Yeah, I just had to get your attention. Within the covenant of marriage, within God's plan, brings life and brings it to the full. Like you haven't experienced life until you experience within the safety of God's plan. And here's what God says. He says, I am going to make sure that I keep you on a shelf and keep you from experiencing all that I have for you until you decide to live set apart. 
Because if I release you into the fullness of life, if I release you into your destiny when there's still pride in your heart, when there's still unforgiveness or bitterness or lying or deceit or insecurity or whatever, he said what was meant to bless you will actually destroy you. And here's what he said. He said, I have to wait until you see the value on you that I see on you. Like, like he put a value on you. I'm priceless. Yeah, you have a price. You're actually not priceless. He put a price on your head. You know what your price is? His life. He said, everything I have is what it took to pay you. And because you don't see yourself that way, I can't actually use you. Because where I want to use you will end up destroying you. It's like this. Think about your favorite actor. I was going to say your favorite singer, but your favorite singer is probably Ratchet, and that will defeat this whole holiness <laughs> message. So let's go with your favorite actor. Think about your favorite actor, Denzel, Brad Pitt, whoever it is. Just think about the movies they won't act in. You know what I mean? You got your cousin there. Hey, I'm working on this. This is a home video, man. I know it's going to be great. It's going to catch an Emmy one day. Can, yo, Denzel, can I, get you to, can I get you to just make a little cameo, you know, just like a hey, and then that's it. And Dale's going to be like, no, I won't do that. Here, and if I even I wanted to, my agent won't let me. Because there's a certain value that comes with my name. And if I put my name associated with certain things, it will devalue my name. And watch this. It will cut off the opportunities in the future. We may not realize this, but when we decide to devalue ourselves in a moment, we cut off opportunities in the future. We keep ourselves from living fully. There was a story of these two brothers in the Bible, uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the older brother. Jacob was the younger brother. And as you remember from the message two weeks ago, the firstborn always got two-thirds of the father's wealth, and then the rest was divided amongst the youngest. So Esau, the oldest, was entitled to be loaded. Esau was out hunting one day, and he forgot to pack a snack pack, and he was hungry, and he came back home, and he was famished, and Jacob was there with food, and he said, Jacob, give me some of that. Now, Jacob often represents godliness, but in this situation, Jacob represented Satan. <laughs> I'm horny right now. Give me something to feed myself. I'm insecure right now. Give me something to feed my ego. I feel insignificant right now. Give me something to feel valued. You know, I don't even care who says I'm cute. I just need somebody to say I'm cute. I don't really care who says I'm the man. I just need somebody to treat me like I'm the man. Give it to me now. And here's what Jacob, Satan, said. I'll feed your flesh if you give me your future. He said, here's all I'll do. I'll trade you this food for your birthright. He said, if you give me the two-thirds of wealth that you're entitled to when dad passes away, I'll give you. Y'all, he could have fasted for one night. But he's like, oh, just give it to me. And he sold his future for a moment of gratification. Mm. I don't know why I was thinking about a really fancy car I couldn't afford. <laughs> why are you thinking about a fancy car that you can't afford? Because if I buy a fancy car that I can't afford... Do you understand the heads that are going to turn when I drive by? Yeah. Pull up to the stoplight. Heads turning. Future destroyed. No retirement. No savings. Kids are taking student loans out to go to college because daddy had a whip. 
Selling my future for a moment. I set y'all up on that one, didn't I? Selling my future for a moment of gratification. For people to look at me, I don't even know who them stupid people are. And they don't even know who I am. And guess what? They don't care. Listen, I, I may miss out on some fun. Pastor, you ever been drunk? No, I wish I was, but no, I don't. <laughs> I'm never, I, never, I never blacked out. <laughs> What's that like? Don't tell me. <laughs> But I'm going to miss out on some experiences because missing out on what some people say is life opens the door for me to walk into some things that other people will never get to experience. The last thing is this. You can write this down. Sean, you could complain. We're going to land this plane. What, what, what's in it for me? What's in holiness for me? You'll walk in peace. Okay. Somebody say, preacher, just say it plain. Sin is tormenting. My, my issue growing up was I was a liar. Like, boy, I could lie. Boy, and, and those of you that have struggled with lying, you know that when, when, when you lie enough and you become a liar, you start lying about things that don't matter. You ever told a lie and you walked away and said, why did I, like, <laughs> There was nothing at stake. Like, there was no reason. And here's the thing. When you tell one lie, you always have to cover that lie with another lie. You can never back a lie up with truth because truth is light, and light always exposes darkness. So I, once I've lied, I can only build upon that lie with other lies. I can't add truth to it. And, 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 and here's the thing. <laughs> it's like having 15 credit cards out there. Sometimes you forget which one I'm supposed to pay right now. You got all these different lies out there, and it's like, who did I tell what, when? And then you walk up to somebody like, hey, do you, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? And I'd be like, uh, I don't know. Who'd you hear it from? And what'd they tell you? Oh, it wasn't from me? Okay, cool, 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 cool. It's stressful trying to maintain sin. And what we don't realize is that it brings such a weight and an anxiety. We live in a time in history where more people are on depression medication, more people are battling with suicide and discouragement. And hear me, hear me, hear me. I get a lot of it is chemical, a lot of it is medical, a lot of it is real issues. But I'm telling you, all of it is not. Some of it is that as a nation, as a society, we have drifted away from the standards of God and the things that we call okay, God never has and he never will say it's okay. I don't know why I'm off on this sake, but let's just have a little bit of fun. Not fun, but I'll, I'll, I'll land this plane. So this is what God told Adam and Eve. He said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the second you do, you will die. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did they die? Hmm? Instantly? No. They didn't die instantly. And because they didn't die instantly, they could believe the lie of, I survived. Come on now. I slept with that person and I'm not heartbroken. I told that lie and I'm, I'm a I lived through it. And, and, and that's the, the lie of sin that we live through it. And we don't realize you live through it, but something died on the inside of you. And what Adam and Eve didn't realize is one day that they would die physically, and God made them to never die. 
Like it affects you on the inside a lot more than it affects you on the outside. Third John chapter one, verse two says, just beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Prosper means to move forward in all things and be in health just as your just as your soul prospers. Peter said this, I mean, John, outside life is just a reflection of what's going on in the heart. Oh. So if my money is funny, it's a heart issue. If my relationships are jacked up, it's a heart issue. If my career is not moving forward, it's a heart issue. Because the Bible says everything out here is affected by what's going on in here. It's like, oh, it was just a Friday night. Oh, it was just this. Oh, it was just that. No, that did something in here that's going to affect your money and your relationships and your career and your ministry. They're not disconnected. It's all connected. Okay, Pastor. I appreciate it. And what you've done is you've fully discouraged me. Because I'm thinking you've never been drunk, so what? I'll tell you about Thursday later. <laughs> been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. When you're in an environment like this, so often you almost become so overwhelmed by your mistakes and your shame and your missteps. It, 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 the enemy is literally sitting in that chair right next to you saying, well, it's too late for you. You might as well just go on and continue on you because you've gone too far. Listen to me. It's why Jesus died on the cross because there's no such thing as too far. Like God says, wherever you are, at that moment you didn't know, but the second you know, there is the blood of Jesus that is accessible to you. Watch this. When we give our lives to Christ, and, and that's why it's, it, pastors, we have this term called saved, saved. And it's different from being saved. And we'll talk, and this is just pastor talk. Talk to somebody, are they, you know, somebody just gave their life to Christ. Yeah, are they saved or are they saved, saved? Can I tell you the difference between being saved and being saved, saved? Being saved is, I believe in Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins. I'm grateful. I'm a child of God. I go to church when I can. I tithe. I love God. I'm saved. Being saved, saved is if you knew how ratchet I was. If you understood how broken I was, the mistakes that I made, the things, the darkness in my past, and because of the blood of Jesus, he hasn't just forgotten it, but he's erased it. He has removed it as far as the east is from the west, and I am going to live my life out of gratitude for what he's done in me. Somebody say, save, save. So because he's shed his blood, Shame has no right in my life anymore. Pastor, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did this last night. I sinned here, I sinned here, I sinned there. But here's what God says. The second you repent, uh, let me read this verse to you. And I'll, I'll in, this place. In, in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, he says this. I will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities, which just our sins, into the depths of the sea. God says the second you repent, he takes every mistake that you've made and he casts it into the ocean. The only problem is some of us have a fishing line out. 
And we're out in that ocean and we're pulling up our old mistakes and allowing them to beat us up over and over and over again. God says, I've buried it, now move on. Move on. Move on. Pastor, how do I move on? Step one, call sin, sin. Stop calling things okay that God says not okay. Step two, get around people that push you towards God instead of away from God. Like, stop being around people that tempt you to be ungodly. Can I give you step three? Plan for your worst day, not your best day. Here's a big one. Plan for your worst day, not your best day. Because here's what we say. We say, oh, I can watch this. I can do this. I can have this. I can hang with this people. We can, come on out, not be married, but have a Netflix and chill night and just sit on the couch. We're not going to get in trouble. We're not going to. On your best day, when you super holy and super saved and super tight and super got it locked down. But what on that day when you had some bad news, when a loved one passed away, when you're heartbroken, when you're emotionally raw, when you're not thinking straight. Set up your life for those days of when you're not thinking straight. I travel a lot, I fly all over the place, and I've just made a decision, I never fly by myself. If my wife's not with me, I got somebody on staff and they're flying with me, one of the guys. And every time I go fly, someone's like, Pastor, do you want two rooms or you want one room? I want one room. Me and Ife, whoever, we gonna cuddle all night long. If my wife ain't, <laughs> that sounds so bad. <laughs> I'm not even going to clean that up. <laughs> but guess what? I'm not getting in trouble. Yeah. Pastor, you would never. I wouldn't. But just in case I would, I'm going to make sure I can't. Yeah. Because I'm setting my life up, not for this moment, yeah. but for the future that God has for me. Yeah. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. God, there's no mistake, there's no sin, there's no misstep that you cannot restore, that you can't heal, that you can't forgive of. So in the name of Jesus, God, we bind every spirit of guilt, of shame, of self-hatred. God, we pray even now that you would overflow our hearts with your love. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time personal to you. Maybe you're in here and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved or saved, saved. I've never brought my mistakes, never brought my sin to Jesus and allow him to erase them. I've never surrendered my life to Christ, but I'd like to. And it's so simple. You can do it right where you're sitting. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I'm tired of, of dragging through life the guilt, the mistakes, the sin that I've committed. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I need Christ in my life. Right where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross so that every sin, every mistake can be erased and my future secure. Today, I give you my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.